Engineering is an exciting world to be in, from shipping to solar, radar to robots. It's these and thousands of other jobs that bring us new technologies and improve the way we live our lives. And while many engineering jobs have traditionally been dominated by men, the tide has turned in recent years with more and more women now stamping their mark and making a difference in industry. But there's more work to be done. I'm Fran Scott, and this episode of the Process Automation Podcast from ABB is rather close to my heart. We are celebrating International Women in Engineering Day, which is officially on the 23rd of June, and it focuses on raising the profile of women who are changing the field of engineering one step at a time. It started out in 2014 as a national campaign by the Women's Engineering Society. And since then, it has grown massively, having received UNESCO patronage in 2016 and then gaining international status in 2017. It continues to be a shining beacon for women who want to be engineers and support women already in those crucial roles. Later, we're going to hear from Christine Scaramaga, Senior Environmental Engineer at leading resource management company Veolia. Before that, though, I've been discussing what does it mean to be a woman in engineering with Marie Vestholm Knebel, Sustainability Manager at ABB Process Automation. Interestingly, Marie is not an engineer, but she is passionate about highlighting the fact that you don't always need to be an engineer by education to work in engineering companies. I actually have a bachelor degree in political science and a master's degree in environmental studies and sustainability science. So it's a completely different field. However, through my work, through my different jobs across time, I've been working closely with the engineering function because I need them to be involved in anything regarding sustainability. It's really interesting that you say that you are not an engineer because I'm not an engineer by qualifications. And yet I'm an engineer in every bone in my body. Sometimes other people call me an engineer just because they assume Can I ask you a question, actually, Fran? Like you say, you would love to be one, but would you need to be one? I, ah, oh, (laughs) where do I start? So it's more from a status thing in terms of that I would like to be one. There are many different ways where you can garner respect and be listened to. And one of those routes, especially still unfortunately as a woman it's through qualifications by having a doctorate or by being labeled as a professional engineer it gives me that kudos and that authority to talk about engineering whereas perhaps if I looked a different way or I spoke a different way I could get that authority through some other method I don't need it but I think it would make (laughs) my life easier if I had it. It's a good discussion to have because the status part, I think, is so embedded in what engineering would be. When I was working with different sectors and type of stakeholders and including engineers and, of course, the majority of women, mostly, and then you come in a room and you end up being, you know, one 
woman in a room full of hundreds of people, and you're like, okay, it's taken for granted that you are one of them from the degree or qualification perspective as an engineer, especially when you work in sustainability. And especially a couple of years ago, the question was still, oh, you're working in sustainability. Oh, you have to be an engineer to manage that. It's like, no, nah, not really. The nature of the role has changed. The nature as well of the education to work in sustainability has changed as well. If you're a woman working in engineering, often we are asked to talk about not just the jobs that we do, but also being a woman working in engineering, just as we're doing today. You're often asked to sort of do that as part of your job. But I assume as a man working in engineering, you're not often asked to conferences to talk about what it's like being a man working in engineering. So how much do you get involved and how vocal are you about talking about what it's like being a woman in engineering and encouraging those to look at those careers that are traditionally seen as male-dominated? That's a good question because it really goes back to numbers. So how do we as a minority get involved, accepted? How do I, as a woman, make my way through this community? It always feels like I have to show off even more about my credentials, my experience, and make sure that I can be proven as good as they are, if not any better. But from the discussions that I've had from the work that I have done, I can understand what they're talking about. And I can sometimes even understand better the implications of a topic linked to other things beyond engineering, because indeed having a comprehensive profile addressing social aspects, environmental aspects, uh, political aspects, all of those things are required to actually make sure that the engineering aspects have an impact. Can you give a bit of an insight into what is happening at ABB and what are your experiences of attitudes to you as a woman? I actually applied for this position and I was hired while on maternity leave. So I literally applied the day my daughter was born. <laughs> I was invited for the interview one week after coming back from the hospital. First, I tried to find myself excuses not to apply because I thought, oh, no, that will never happen. And then when I talked with the hiring manager, the first thing he said is that, no, you're even more welcome because we need this diversity. And we know that your status, of course, as a woman, but as a mother will bring so many new things on the table that can really drive change across the organization. And this, I think, already gave me the signal that I was welcome. Very happy myself to be you know, the, the proof point that it's possible. ABB has been really pioneering the topic of diversity and inclusion for the past years. It's actually one of the key objectives we have in our sustainability strategy 2030. That makes complete sense that we already work very early to make sure that we can increase the share of women in our management, but also in our workforce. Our target is to reach 25% of women in senior management. We are at around 18% in 2022. And ABB adopted the United Nations Women Empowerment Principles. It's so easy to point the finger of blame. I'm being treated differently by you. Or alternatively, I'm putting those restrictions on myself because as a woman, I obviously can't have it all. I'm being greedy. I'm of the belief that this finger pointing it's just not needed and leads to people being defensive. We can't help it, but we get aggressive very fast when our foundations or how we think are questioned. And so I feel like this finger pointing 
takes away from this active discussion that needs to happen that is of this unconscious bias, this stereotyping of genders isn't helping anybody. There is this view of, well, actually, when it comes to engineering or when it comes to STEM-related careers, biology aside, they are all going to be dominated by men because women just aren't into those types of things. What would you like to say to people that do sit in that camp? Out of all the questions we discussed, I think this was one of the most difficult ones to actually answer. I think that quoting you again, quote, don't like that kind of work stuff. I think they just don't know what it is. <laughs> I think they're not provided with exact information about the opportunities that they can access during this non-girly things. Not non-girly being in quotes as well. <laughs> exactly. What is a girly job? What is not? And interestingly enough, when I look at the sustainability field, a lot of my counterparts are women. Does it say something about the values that we need to actually drive Sustainability, for example, um, that's a question to ask openly, but is communication a virtue that is inherent to women? Maybe, but there are things where we need to think more, not especially on the academic skills, but more interpersonal skills that could drive then equality. We have, for example, at ABB Process Automation launched what we call the guiding principles on how we want to actually design a safe and resilient operations. And there, this is the idea of creating a safe space as well and leading with care, which means that you actually remove those boundaries, you remove the stress to have this conversation where you can actually verbalize your concerns about being in a, a certain type of employee within a certain function and saying, hey, what can I do and what can you do, for example, as my manager to actually make me feel welcome and comfortable and safe in my daily work at ABB. And I think this is already a first part of stopping those unconscious bias is having this conversation and making sure that everyone can understand the concerns of others and what bothers them as minority, as you know, women, as a working father. Then with regard to STEM, for example, or education, this is something that will require, I think, a bigger change which is more cultural, based on what we think in society, what girls should be studying, what boys should be studying. And building such a communication, so to say, to confirm that there is no problem being a woman engineering because you can work as well as a man and you can still be a working parent. No, there's no problem about that. Let's talk about that. Let's make it visible and let's make sure that you know, companies like ours actually showcase those best practices as well. I see very much and I work a lot with engineering firms to help encourage all people, not just your stereotypical engineer, to go into engineering. And the Women's Engineering Society stated that in the UK, 14.5% of all engineers are women. And that's risen by 26%. That's a 26% increase compared to other occupations, which only have the 4% increase. So there is something happening in the world of engineering and encouraging women to see it as a brilliant career and then taking steps to be part of that. I'm still put out that in the UK, we do grades and we do, oh, the girls in the class have got this grade and the boys in the class have got this grade when it's GCSE or A-level. And it's like, you might as well split them up onto who wore blue jumpers and who wore purple jumpers. Splitting by gender I think is absolutely useless because human beings are so unique it's been shown that there's more difference 
in the group than there is between the groups. And yet we live in a world where we're bombarded with clothes sections that are for young girls and young boys. And when you look on the slogans of them, they're oh so very different. I'm an auntie and oh, my young niece just happens to love unicorns. Yeah, my daughter as well. Because she loves them, right? It's not that she's been bombarded with image of unicorns and princesses and been painted a picture in her head that this is normal for her to like. And it's not that they've been sat down and gone, you like unicorns. It's that bombardment of the way that our brain is taking in information constantly and forming what it sees as this picture of normality and that shapes us and what shapes us then leads to our decisions but are those decisions ones that we're making freely or ones that we're making within the constraints that we've made ourselves by the ones that the society has made for us as well I know you're a mother aren't you and you've got a daughter and a son haven't you yes correct so my daughter is three and my son is eight it's been a very interesting journey, actually, raising both, because when I was pregnant, the nurse called me to say, hey, congratulations, you're having a girl. Now you have one of each. And I was like, oh, my God, how am I going to manage that? The reason why is because I felt exactly that I would have, as a woman, to break all my preconditioned thoughts about what it is to be a woman, to make sure that I raise her and educate her in a safe way, the same way as I want to raise my boy to be, you know, respectful and understand unconscious bias itself to make sure that he can play a role in changing society itself. So it's trying to balance my expectations for their happiness, but also giving them the right tools to build up their own self-consciousness of everything. And for whatever reason, it scared me a lot more having a girl than having a boy in this condition. How can we assess what is a conscious bias or not in them making their own decision for clothing, for colors, for anything. And then eventually this drives into education. So what kind of bias can we reconsider or even destroy to make sure that their decisions are theirs? I was privileged enough to be in a country where education is free. I never had to work to pay for my education I could have done literally whatever I wanted. And this is something really that does, I think, make a big difference in how we perceive education choices and eventually career moves. I know it has potential to be quite a sensitive topic, privilege, because not to quote Animal Farm, but if women become more equal, then surely men will become less equal. And we all know that's not how fairness and equality works. I'm a woman, but I'm also dyslexic. So... If I'm on set filming, I prefer a printout of paper. That's just me as an individual and my needs. And we all have different set of privileges. You know, I have no caring responsibilities. Whereas yourself, you very much do. Own my own house. There are other people that I know that will never be able to have things like that. And like yourself, I got free education. What is your view on equaling out this privilege? So some have much more than others. So should they help those that have less privilege than them? And how would that work in principle? That's a good and, and tough question for sure. The first thing would be to be aware or self-aware of those privileges. Because if you understand what you have, then you probably have a better idea of what the others might not have or don't have. 
if I can lead by example and show that I care, it might help drive change. I don't think, you know, equalizing means that some other people will lose their privilege. I've heard this in consulting companies. Oh, you have kids, then you're not going to be working as hard as the others just because you cannot. And then it makes you reflect, do I really want to work with such a company? I might make more money, but what about my life? What about my brain? What about my health? It's complex. And I think, indeed, we need a giant dialogue between the groups, between the levels and direction. At the end of the day, what matters is the, I would say, the big picture. We need to take care of each other here. Making an engineering-focused workplace work for women makes it work for everybody. Marie, if you were to wave the proverbial magic wand, what would you like to see as a better future or the the ideal future for women in engineering and maybe all genders in engineering? If I could change the perceptions, the first one would be to say, there's no need to work harder to reach the same status, the same salary. The second thing that I noted And it's linked to what we were just talking about before. You know, we should not have to justify anything linked to our private life. This should be granted. And the last one is this feeling of being welcome and safe in the work environment. And for me, I think what is important at the Women Engineering Day this year is actually about safety. Working in the HSC function, for me, this was mind-blowing to realize that most of the equipments that are available to keep our employees safe not in ABB, but in general, are designed based on data themselves built on a white male body, average. Having this information in place, it makes you reflect, oh, are the processes and the equipment we have within our factories relevant to keep our women employees safe? I think this is mind-blowing to think about it. So it's kind of you know, a domino effect that needs to start from those unconscious bias at the education level, nursery level even, but also the other way around. How do we then in a company or in policy or authority stakeholders type of engagement, how do we actually reverse back to make sure that by addressing those unconscious bias, then maybe you attract more women in this field? That was Marie Vestom Knebel, Sustainability Manager at ABB Process Automation. And I loved my chat with Marie and the discussion on how not to just get women into engineering, but get them to stay there and how this won't just benefit women, but will benefit everybody. And the fact that the solution to there being this imbalance is not an easy one. And it takes this holistic approach from a mind-blowingly early age for us to make a difference. According to the official International Women in Engineering Day website, just over 16% of engineers are now women. But it's a figure that also highlights how underrepresented women still are in these professions. And it shows that there is this more work to be done to encourage more young women and girls into engineering careers. And one person who found her path into an engineering role is Christine Scaramaga, Senior Environmental Engineer at Veolia. Christine's interest in engineering was ignited at a rather young age. In a way, nobody guided or was expecting me to become an engineer. It is something that came to me naturally. 
My grandmother and my grandfather were engineers and my grandfather had a boiler factory where I was spending a bit of time around when I was young. They were taking me with them in the factory on holidays when I was not at school. I was doing a few jobs, cutting things or documents or, or files. The most interesting was the design office because this is not something that you see every day. I mean, you don't even see it nowadays because this thing does not exist. It was a massive designing board. I realize now is impressive is that all this was done in hand. So they required a lot of time and detail and attention. So I was tended to draw, but I didn't dare And actually, my grandfather has patented some drawings back. So we still have drawings in the house. Being in that factory, being in the plant and seeing those drawings was your first taste of engineering. And was it then that you were like, this is 100% me. I know I'm going to do what my grandma, what my granddad did. From that moment, were you hooked? Believe it or not, at that time, I didn't know that was engineering. I was just wandering around. I didn't know that's called engineering. I know it was production and producing something. I realized this many years after. A big problem that we're facing today in terms of people not quite realizing all the jobs and all the different things that go into engineering. Do you think that if more people knew what engineering was, more people would go into it? Yes, I do. I think that is a valid question. People don't know or don't understand what is behind the scenes. For example, as simple as turning your lights on. I don't think that the majority of people realize what's the process, what it takes before you get this electricity. Everybody wants to have a new mobile phone, a new car, but how this car is produced, who designed this car. Behind every our everyday life, technological innovations are engineers making those changes. So you're a senior environmental engineer now. How welcome were you made to feel being a woman in what is traditionally seen as a role that men do? I suppose I was very welcomed, considered the fact that I believe my situation must have been a bit unordinary. I was both a woman and a foreigner. I am Greek and I work in England, so I suppose I had two elements which were not much in my favour. And as you correctly mentioned, this profession being seen traditionally as a male role. When people ask me, and I say I'm a mechanical engineer, the most common question I get back is if I fix cars. So the first answer is no, I don't fix cars. And then I say that engineers actually don't fix cars. Engineers design cars. But that is the general perception. I think people misunderstand what the role of engineer is or what they do. Especially nowadays, with the help of technology, machinery, and involvement of systems in place, there is no work a woman in engineer could not do, even if that is working in a power station or in heavy industry. In the sites I work, there are women working in the office, but I'm still the only woman working in the plant. The working environment is different, as you need to be physically fit no matter what. 
You work outside wearing a boiler suit, safety boots, helmet, safety glasses, gloves. So you can be hot, cold, walking a lot or climbing a lot or of steps or getting occasionally soaked if you work outside and you can get dirty too. You can work nights or night shifts. You also need to handle situations and people. Pressure can build up when there is a problem and everybody is expecting advice, guidance and a solution by you. As with every job, you need to prove yourself and gain the respect and trust of your colleagues. From my experience, I would possibly say that is related to the closer team you are working with and how much welcomed and embraced you are. In principle, I do believe that women in certain professions have to work harder in order to prove themselves and can be offered lower or lower paid jobs than men. Perception of engineering is something that I know that the societies and institutions in engineering are really trying to overcome. If you think engineering is just the dirty, grubby, fixing things, and there's always a part of that in engineering, but not in every engineering, but engineering covers such a a wide scope of roles from food engineering and chemical engineering and those that are very much computer-based. That said, there is still a lower representation of women in the engineering profession. What do you see as the type of challenges or issues that women face when they are looking for work within engineering fields? I believe it is more difficult for women to get offered certain jobs in the engineering sector Thinking about a few, it could be in construction, power stations or field jobs, as they are possibly considered as mostly male jobs. There is more likelihood that they get offered more office-based jobs rather than field-based jobs. There is also a chance they get offered a lower grade job in comparison to a male for the like-for-like qualifications. I have come across examples where a male with less qualifications and experience required for a job have been offered a job versus a female and knowing very well the facts, I can tell why. The general perception is that women are less committed or reliable to a job seen mostly as her income is a secondary contribution to a family and not so much depending on that. They have other commitments or priorities within a family, so a job could be complementary. They're less likely committed or career-driven and more likely to quit. However, I believe it is very focused and conscious decisions for women who have chosen engineering. They should be trusted, they're not inferior to men, and they should be offered equal opportunities. Women in engineering in particular are very conscious and focused about the choice they have made and they will work hard to prove themselves and achieve their targets. Yeah, and I suppose as well, it's not just the feeling of what engineering is, but also the social inclusion, you know, beyond the job. A job is not just about the role that you are brought on to do. It's about being included in the company and feeling as part of a team, isn't it? Yes, that is the wider uh, circle surrounding a number of things. Diverse teams perform better That also expands to teams from different communities, customs and cultures. The tricky part of this is to recognize and explore the specific assets of each person and embed those into the team. This is where governance and management comes in too, irrespective whether it is a large or a small company. 
A small company where everybody knows each other and communicate every day can work fine for everybody, but can also be very strict or limited by the management and governed in a certain way, which does not allow freedom of movement and flexibility or further exploration due to a smaller restricted team. It might sound like an individual is part of a team, but in practice, left out from progress and development and getting them involved. Communication and management is a key element to inclusion, given the fact that within a diverse team, not everybody will communicate in exactly the same way with each other. The principle of treat others the way you want to be treated should be always applicable. You are obviously made to be an engineer and engineering is very much for you. If you were talking to any woman or any woman that is listening right now who's thinking about working in engineering or just starting out in engineering, what would you want to share with them from your own experience? What advice would you give them? It is important to work in a profession that you have chosen and you like. I would say that if this is what you want to do, to not to be afraid or, or put off and follow their instinct. With respect to occupation, there are career opportunities in industry, other companies and organizations, research, institutions or academic careers. Concentrate on their studies and dedicate the time to study. It is a one-off chance and it is worth the time and effort. Believe in themselves and don't be put off by what other people might say or criticize. They will find out later in their life that they will get rewarded for their choice. Absolutely. And Christine, the imbalance of women to men working in engineering, do you think this is just a problem that women should solve? Or do you think it's something that the industry as a whole could turn its attention to and is turning its attention to? I don't think it is a women problem. I think it is an industry or education problem, a global problem. I am aware that women are turning into engineering, possibly not enough or not as it should be. I do feel confident, though, that in quite a few years, maybe in a few decades, we won't be having this discussion that things will change. Christine Scaramaga, Senior Environmental Engineer at Veolia. Christine's story is quite common in engineering in terms of being inspired by a family member. And a lot of women in engineering have been inspired by previous generations working in that field. Now, personally, where I think a lot of work is to be done is showing everybody, not just those that have that family connection to engineering, the amazing jobs and the potential that is available in the engineering field. Because I think once people see it, they can't help but be drawn to it. But of course, there is a lot of work to make that happen. But that is it for this episode. There's certainly a lot of food for thought. A massive thank you to my guests, Marie Vestom Knebel and Christine Scaramaga for our brilliant conversations on a topic that will have us talking and debating for a long time. I'm Fran Scott and the Process Automation Podcast is a Fresh Air production for ABB. Follow now for free wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode.